0: Dear church family. We continue with our Bible study series in Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul's Epistle to the Romans. We're now on our sixth study. We finished chapter two last time and we considered how external rights and privileges and advantages can never justify the sinner in the end. It can never save someone having external rights and privileges. As it is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. We thought about the need for the Christian to be on guard against false confidences creeping in in this respect. We too uh, can, can, uh, must be on guard against putting any confidence in the flesh or even upon our privileges or external uh, rights that we may have, just even distinctions. And so we must be on guard against these things. And if we to enjoy real privileges as the Jews did, and advantages given uh, to us, whereby they distinguish us from others, it ought to create in us really a very humble and a contrite heart and a spirit and uh, a, a humble spirit that is ever thankful really to the Lord, that He showed such love and grace and mercy uh, to us because we know it was nothing within ourselves that we could commend in that respect. We brought nothing to the table, as it were, of salvation. We saw the dangers of how many acquaint superior knowledge and privileges with godliness, thinking themselves to be guides and teachers and so on, where in fact they needed to be guided and taught in the very basics of true godliness in the sight of God. The Apostle Paul fitly dismantles the self-congratulating spirit, saying that in essence their behaviour and hypocrisy causes the name of God to be blasphemed. In other words, your orthodoxy does not meet your practice. Unbelievers, of course, will draw conclusions from not only what you say, but of course, the way you live your life, the way you practice what you say. God is more concerned about one's heart. He's more concerned of where we are in our hearts, in our thought life, in our affections. Who has our affections? Who's Lord of our thoughts and our affections? And if that be made right, so will flow sincere obedience that worketh by faith and by love. Remember the text, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, but one inwardly. And that text is very important for the whole of Romans, actually. It's quite an important text, that. Well, with that said, this evening we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8 of chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul answers objections concerning what we've already learned concerning God's righteous judgments. Remember that... uh, The unbelieving Jews in particular thought it was was impossible, nigh impossible, that they would come under the same condemnation as the Gentiles because of all these privileges, because they had uh, all the advantages. And there were real advantages. There were real distinctions. But it was impossible, it was nigh impossible for that mindset to think, well, how can I be judged? in the same light as, as the profane Gentiles who do, who do not have this knowledge, who do not have all these things. It, it's impossible. And, and so when we come to the, today's text, we must be thinking Paul is confronting that mindset and he foresees, he foresees the Jewish mindset that there's all these objections, you see. They, and so he by the Holy Spirit, he's, he's bringing the objection and he's answering it in order to vindicate the apostles' doctrine that a man is justified by faith in Christ and that we are all under condemnation. That's, that's really what he's getting to in these, uh, in these verses set, be, set before us here. And so the, the apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, foresaw that there would be objections concerning God's, ju- God's judgment and the apostles' doctrine. It's almost as if he knew that there would be many who would say, well, what's the point then, Paul, of being a Jew? What's the point of it? Uh, there's no advantage of, of being a Jew. There's, there's no advantage of circumcision. There's no uh, point of being part of the cho- the chosen race. Is there, Paul? It's almost as if he's bring, say, saying that. And hence, this is why in verse 1, it kind of, we see that the Apostle Paul is bringing this first objection. So let's have a look at verse 1. What advantages then have the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? So the Apostle Paul here introduces such objections in order, like I said, to vindicate that they too would be subject to condemnation if they remained in unbelief. And And as verse 9 implies, it has already been proved by the first two chapters that both the Gentiles and the Jews are subject to condemnation. Uh, The the Gentiles, uh, by the light of creation and conscience, and the Jews, by the light of the law, both are under condemnation. He says, I've already proved that, that all are under condemnation, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Paul does not deny, however, he does not deny the advantages that the Jews were given. That's the crucial thing. He's actually actually being very complimentary. Um, He doesn't deny it, hence verse 2. So I'm just going to repeat verse 1 again. What advantage then have the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Then verse 2, much every way chiefly because that unto them were were committed the oracles of God, much every way. You were given great privileges, great advantages. You were given great means. You were given your privileges, Paul is saying, are real. There were great privileges. You were given great advantages. You were given the written word of the living God. The oracles of the living God were committed unto, unto you, and no other nation upon the planet were given such things as, as you were. That unto, unto them, that is the Jews, were committed the oracles of God. The word of God we know is the primary means by which uh, men and women and children can know the mind of God. It's the primary means. And we know that from many scriptures. We think of, 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 of Timothy that from a child thou hast known the scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And Paul is saying, You had it. You had all these privileges. You had all these advantages. And, and, yet, and yet you abused them. You, you did not take advantage of all these privileges. You see? And it reminds me and there's so many passages of the, of the scripture there's so many parables which the Lord Jesus speaks in this respect but I'm just going to mention one and that's the parable of the tenant farmers and we think of that parable in this respect where the tenant farmers are given the, the, the uh, they're given the vineyard they're given the tower overlooking the vineyard to, to, to protect themselves they're, they're given everything and the Lord uh, of the vineyard, the one who rents the vineyard out to them, uh, as it were, uh, he goes off to a great distance and he sends his servants to collect the first fruits, as it were, of the vineyard. And yet they persecute; they say in their hearts, "Well, you know, we want we want this to ourselves." And so they start persecuting the servants. Uh, and and of course, Christ was talking about uh, many. In Israel, who persecuted the prophets and stoned them and killed them. And then in, in the parable, it says, well, if, I'm going to send my son in the end. And, uh, and, and so we know that from this, this parable, it was because they, they were given all these privileges, all these advantages, and yet they continued to abuse them. And so let us take notes that being in possession of the word of God does not save you. Having a superior knowledge of the word of God does not save you. Observing its rights externally cannot save you. Only believing in where the word of God points us to. The whole word of God points us like one large epistle to the Lord Jesus Christ outside of ourselves to him and like Calvin says, you know, the, the, the Word of God teaches us t- two great themes. It teaches us our own hearts by nature, that we are, are condemned by nature. We are, and that's why we have the Bible is the most honest book. It is a truthful book because it teaches us that kings, great people, at their best, are sinners. And they fall way short. And that we are, are all in need of the Saviour. Well, the apostle here moves on to the second objection, which he foresees, and namely that of God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness concerning his promises to the Jews. After all, God did promise to be the God of the Jews, didn't he? And so verse 3 and 4 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, verse 4. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Paul is saying, in essence, can the unbelief of some thwart the faithfulness of God concerning his promises? He's saying, of course not, of course not. Yes, your advantages and your privileges over other people is true. You've got all these privileges. You have all these these means that you were given. But what what if the majority of the Jews did not take advantage of the word of God they were given? What if they did not take advantage of the means they were given? What if they remained in unbelief? It's It's not that God has been unfaithful. It's that many have not believed. The unbelief of some cannot undo the faithfulness of God concerning his promises. And Paul is saying, in essence, don't question God's word. God forbid, don't question God's word. He's saying, in essence, question yourselves. Question yourselves. Let God be true, but every man a liar. And then really, in order to cement this truth, the apostle quotes Old Testament scripture, he quotes the Psalms. Psalm 51, in particular, verse 4, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. In other words, you need to be justified in what you say, that it's, it's biblical, that it's the word, That you're, you're in line with the word of God, uh, that it's being justified in one's speech, making sure one's judgment is in line with God's word. And what Paul was saying was perfectly clear and scriptural. The Jews had the privileges of having the oracles of God, the word of God, as custodians of it. And they had the outward signs of circumcision. They had the membership. They were part of the church membership, as it were, of Israel. But they did not take advantage of all their privileges. Therefore, they were under greater condemnation. And whatever disadvantages they now have, it's not because God has been unfaithful concerning his word, it's because they have been unfaithful in all the privileges that they were given. And I'm not speaking of all the Jews here, I'm talking about the unbelieving, the unbelieving Jews. And by way of application, let me let me say say again the importance of counting one's blessings. Do we count our blessings? Do do we realise what means and privileges that God has afforded us every day? Think about that. If if, if you belong to uh, a a, a house where you're you're often under the word of God or a church and so on, and you've been given so many privileges, so many blessings, so many advantages that other people do not have, so many means, are you taking advantage of them? And I, I speak the same to myself Are we taking advantages of all the means and the privileges that God has given us? Well, that said, verse 5 is yet another answer of an objection which the Apostle foresees of the Jewish mindset. Verse 5 says, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. So, Paul knows full well the Jewish mindset's arguments to excuse them from condemnation. Paul says <clears throat> he's speaking like a, a He speaks, I speak as a man. And in other words, he's saying, I'm not speaking as an apostle would speak now. I'm speaking as the natural man would speak. I'm sp- these are the arguments that you're bringing forth now, in other words. These are the, the worldly type of arguments that are being, uh, that he foresees these objections, he foresees they'll, they'll be coming up with. In other words, they'll be saying, well, well what are you saying, Paul? Are, are you saying that we may do evil, that good may come of it? Is that what you're saying, that we may just continue to, to we could be like the Gentiles and be profane, and, and so that in the end, uh, good can, can come of it? But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Of course, Paul did not give so much as a hint to suggest that it would be unrighteous of God to, to not punish wicked, wickedness. Um, that's why it says, is, is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? Paul is simply implying that the truth of God must be acknowledged that all men be liars, and God and his word are trustworthy. And and he's saying, in essence, and you're not, because you've abused God's word. You've had all the privileges, but you've abused it. And so, in answer to the question concerning God being unjust to punish sin, which commends God's righteousness, Paul says in verse 6, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? So, in other words, he's saying, God forbid, perish the thoughts. What kind of God would he he be to overlook sin? God cannot be be unjust because he is not only the judge of the Gentiles, but of the whole world, including the Jews as well. No, No exemptions. He is the righteous judge of the universe. How could there be any judgment at all if God... Took such an attitude on the Gentile sin and not and not the Jews' sin. And he is, the, he is the righteous judge of the universe. How could there be any judgment if he was, like I said, to look upon the gentile sin and, and not the, the sin of the Jews? And he he he, he has it not been written? In Genesis eighteen, I feel that he's fetched again Old Testament language here. Genesis eighteen, twenty-five. Remember Abraham, when speaking to Lot concerning Lot, says that 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 be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. And this text here yeah, shall not the judge of all the earth do right paul is using familiar old testament language really to persuade these objections well, well paul once well paul once again foresees that the persistence the persistence of this jewish mindset to object and to excuse condemnation we're not under condemnation because we have all these privileges uh, and in verse 7, Paul sees the objector saying, but hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul. For if, In verse 7, for if the truth of God have more abounded through my lie unto his glory, well, why am I yet also judged as a sinner? In other words, Paul, I, uh, says the objector, does my falsehood emphasize God's truth? Does, does my darkness emphasize his brightness? You're saying my sin causes God to be glorified in the end, Paul. You're saying sin as much as you like that God that good may come of it. Is that what you're saying, Paul? So he's he, he's coming up. He foresees these objections that they'll be coming up with, because we don't need the law, do we, Paul? We don't need the knowledge. We don't need the distinctions uh, from the from the Gentiles. We don't need uh, the distinctions. In terms of our appearance, either. We don't need these things. Uh, let's live in sin like the Gentiles, as it were, and in the end, God's, God's name will be glorified. That's what you're saying, Paul. That's the kind of the essence of what Paul is saying that they will say. Let's com- commit idolatry that in the end, God's grace may abound, as it were. Why am I yet, I also? Judged as a sinner. And Paul says in verse 8 to such objections, that's exactly what some people slanderously report about me. He's saying that this is exactly what some people slanderously say about me. See verse 8, and not rather as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, so it's, he's saying this is what people are saying about us as true believers and holding to justification by faith and, and, and that all of us are under condemnation and in need of the Savior. And he's saying, he's saying this is what you're going to say about us. Let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. So Paul is, Paul is saying and he foresees that his words will be falsely and maliciously represented by those unbelieving Jews who refuse to confess that they as well as the Gentiles are under sin and condemnation. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And in other words, these objections are against the apostles' true doctrine of justification by faith in Christ. You will falsely and maliciously say of us, let us do evil that good may continue. That's what you're saying. You're falsely saying that we say, let's just continue to do to, 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 to do evil that good may come of it. Let us sin the more that we may be more justified and good may come of it. Let us continue to sin that ultimately God's name will be glorified in the end. These are the slanderous things which you're, you're saying. And Paul says in essence that if that if that that trusting that if that trusting of a, a a doctrine were true it would be worthy of damnation whose condemnation is just he's saying that if what you're saying is true that is worthy of of of, of condemnation of damnation I, and he's basically saying with such an argument i don't disagree with such a statement although although uh, although, although they will be said falsely to excuse you as will come as we'll come to see in the rest of the chapter. So in other words, uh, he says, well, you know what you're saying, what, what you're saying, uh, you're saying falsely, you're, you're, you're saying, whose condemnation is just and he's saying well i agree with you with that but you're saying this as, as a as, as a pretext well in closing and by way of application to these manifold objections let me just glean uh, that god will judge all sin however plausible the excuses for it can be god still will judge it God is no respecter of persons. People can come up with all sorts of plausible excuses, um, but God will still judge it. All who encourage sin, especially in the name of God, and by the true doctrines of grace, can expect, according to the Apostle's word, certain condemnation. If, If people encourage sin... And say, well, we, we, can ab- we can do sin, we can continue in sin, that, that, that good may come of it in the end. And it's sad to say that there is many that do that. Well, we, we could just carry on in, in sin. And, and so that good may come of it, that grace, this abuse of, of, of grace. And according to this, Paul says that such who encourage sin, such who use uh, the, the doctrines of grace in, in essence... And abuse, and abuse the doctrines of grace and, and encourage this, well, you could just carry on and, and, and sin. He says, well, that doctrine, that doctrine, it's the condemnation of such. They, they are under condemnation. In other words, such who teach that are in, are in grave trouble, as it were, they just give people a license through the true doctrines of grace to just carry on in, in sin. We are not called as sheep by the Good Shepherd, Christ, not only not to live like pigs. You know, I've never seen a pig wallowing in the mire, sheep wallowing in the mire. We're not just called to live not like pigs. We are called by the Good Shepherd to live as sheep who follow the Good Shepherd and follow him. And so, but we're not just called just not to, to go in the mire, we're, we're called to follow the Lord and to, to be close to him and to love him and depend upon him and hear his voice and follow him in, him, in holiness of life. And I trust we've, we've also been reminded in these objections that if like the Jews, if like the Jews, uh, we have been given real privileges and advantages and means uh, whereby we can not only know the Lord savingly and truly, but also that we can enjoy the peace and the, and the joy in, in counting our blessings by faith, that we must get the joy in this and the peace in this, that the blessings and the privileges that we're given, that it is such a blessing to be here Amongst God's God's people and to pray together and to serve Him together, and we we must count. I think sometimes we we can uh, all the pressures of life can sometimes get to us and kind of steal that joy away from us. And we forget we are, we are are the, the the we are the most blessed people upon the planet. We 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 are we are given so many advantages and privileges, and 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 so we should. We should enjoy this. We should have this joy and peace, really, because we've been given so much. And so let us take every opportunity and advantage of the means that we're given. Let us never, ever give, uh, never, uh, give God the scraps, as it were, of our time. And it's very easy to do that in, our, in, our, in, in these days that we're living in. Um, When he gives us means, let us pray that we may use them to the full and get the joy and the peace and the assurance that the Lord so wants to give us. And I I feel I haven't done this uh, passage justice tonight, perhaps a bit fumbly this this evening, but I just want to say let us also be reminded that when we fall upon hard times, uh, spiritually speaking, or seasons of, of drought, as it were, remember that the Lord remains ever faithful to you. His promises and his words remain ever faithful to you and you can do, rely upon them. And when you perhaps spiritually think you're, you're beaten up and you've had a difficult day or a difficult season, find that those, the comfort in the word of God and hold to those promises and that it will indeed be a balm, a healing balm. It will indeed be a light and and a guide, as as, as it were. And finally, beloved, surely all these objections remind us and tell us something of the human heart by nature. No one's, the Apostle Paul's not picking on the the unbelieving Jews here. It tells us something of the human heart by nature. It tells us that really we want to commend ourselves, really, uh, uh, we want to bring something. If we become religious, we want to bring ourselves. We want to commend ourselves. We, 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 we like to make gods out of ourselves. So it teaches us really that we all, by nature, make up these excuses. Uh, as it were, we, we can all be like this. And of course, I think it also, all these objections here, teaches us that are oh, really of oh, the devil's subtlety to blind even sincere religious people. You can meet people who are very sincere and very religious but again it, it can blind the eyes can't it i mean i remember being on the doors with terry not so long ago speaking to someone about romans and that they this is that exact argument came up are you saying that we could just live and live in sin and do these live this life uh, because of the because of grace and and it was kind of just using this and so many so many people and we Came with all the sort to came with the, all the arguments. No, no, I'm not going to have it. I must bring something to the table, as it were. And it's just it's 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 the the devil's subtlety to blind even sincere religious people. And so let us pray for the Lord's wisdom and grace to witness as we go out, as it were, on the highways and byways, not just to witness to those who are profane. People, worldlings, as it were, but also to religious people as well. That the Lord give us uh, uh, wisdom and grace to um, to and and to to, to, to to come up with these arguments. To, to act, like the Apostle Paul, pray for the Spirit's help to be one step ahead, as as it were, to see the natural man's objections, as it were. And so, I'm sorry for the fumbling this evening. Um, um, but I, I hope and pray that we uh, can see from the, the text this evening that uh, all these objections really, uh, Paul foresaw all these objections re- really that the Jewish mindset would come up or the self religious, the self righteous person would come up in order to excuse themselves from condemnation. That's the whole, that's the whole point. I'm trying to excuse myself from being condemned because I've got the outward privileges. I've got got the knowledge. I'm I'm not in ignorance like worldly people. I go to church. I've been baptized. I even even know confessions. I know these things and I'm holding to these things. But yet we know that a man must be born again. We know that there must be a, 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 a radical change in the heart and the life, as it were. And that's really what Paul's trying to get to. You're under condemnation. We're all under condemnation. So he's dismantling all these objections, really, to, to tell that both the Jews and the Gentiles are under condemnation. And no outward privileges uh, can stop that. We, we all need to trust in Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.